I want you to think about a question that you just heard posed on the video as we begin this series that we're introducing today. What if the good news of the gospel is better than you thought it was? Think about that. It is, because the good news of the gospel is the gospel that that is far greater, it's more expansive, it covers much more than you ever imagined. And today we are beginning a little mini-series on discovering the good news of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we not only find the assurance of salvation as a child of the king, because you see, if you're part of the kingdom, there must be a king. You, You with me on that? Amen? And let me just say that the way you enter the kingdom is through surrender, okay? It's through yielding your life to the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who left the glory of the kingdom of heaven to come be one of us in this fallen earth. And through his life and death, he broke the power of sin, death, and the grave so that we now have the ability to be born again. And when we are born again by surrendering our lives to the king, right? Then we receive the Holy Spirit who invades our lives and gives us the power and the insight to live above the temptations of this fallen world. So that the kingdom of heaven is not just some event that we will only experience in the future. The kingdom of heaven begins to invade our lives and our existence now while we're here on this earth. Now, that is a large load of information I just gave you. And throughout this series, we're going to attempt to dissect that and a lot of that and seek to understand that the glorious truth of that. So but I want to come back to this thought as we begin that the kingdom of God presently reaches more deeply into our lives than we might have ever thought possible. As the kingdom of God invades our lives, we discover God's radical plan to change our lives in the here and now. It's the Father's way of growing us into maturity in Jesus Christ, okay? See, over many years, so many of us have only understood a very, very small part of the gospel. That is the promise of salvation in Jesus and the assurance that we get to live with God forever. And to be sure, these things are definitely a part of the gospel. Remember, that's our invitation into the kingdom. But our generous, loving God has done far more than we could have ever hoped for or imagined. And that's really the purpose behind this sermon series. And, and if you're here today and, and, and you're just kind of exploring the claims of Christianity and Jesus because you're curious to what following Jesus is all about, you picked a great Sunday to be here because we're going to talk about the good news of God's kingdom, how it's available to you today, okay? But before we get too deep into this, let me just give you one statement to clarify my words as we get into this series. By way of definition, the gospel simply means good news. Nod your heads if you get that, right? So when you hear me use the phrase, the gospel of the kingdom, we're talking about the good news of the kingdom, okay? You with me? But the word gospel, you know, also refers to the first four books of our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Which tell the good news of Christ coming to this fallen world to to offer the plan of redemption through his own shed blood and his broken body. So in this first week, I would like to share with you how Jesus understood and how he preached the gospel. We will examine the biblical text from all four gospels and discover the depth of the good news that he proclaimed. And then throughout this series, uh, we'll discover how the gospel presents 
the very real possibility of life change for all of us right here, right now, before we die and go to heaven. Amen. And we will also look at how the gospel revealed was, was revealed in the kingdom of God originally in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And finally, we will study together the, how the scriptures present this grand picture of this wonderful future that God has in store for all his citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So let's just get started today as we introduce this series, okay? The first four books of our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Tell us about the life and the teaching of Jesus. Each of those Gospels describes his death, his ministry, his resurrection. And as I mentioned, these books that we call the Gospels, we call them that because they contain the good news about Jesus Christ. But what exactly is that good news? It's all communicated in this one phrase. The kingdom of God is near. Now, John the Baptist preached that message in Matthew chapter 3. And Jesus began his ministry with this message as well in Mark 1, beginning with verse 14. But he said, I must proclaim the good... Is that the right one? That's not right, is it? Go back one. All right, there we go. Mark 1, 14. After John was put in prison... I'm already preaching you way ahead, right? After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. In fact, that the next verse, that's one way that Jesus characterized his mission. He said in this next verse, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to all the other towns also, because that's why I was sent. So here we are early in these Gospels. The good news is the proclamation that the kingdom of God has come near to people. Other translations use phrases like the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of God is breaking in. So Jesus was announcing that the Father's reign is now coming close. It had previously been far away. Now it's coming near. Let's try to understand then what that's all about, what the kingdom is all about. When we talk about the lordship of Jesus Christ, and when we take that seriously, that's where God's will is done God's way among God's people. Do you understand that? Let me say it again. God's will, that should be up there also. God's will is done God's way among God's people. I think we're having trouble with that, okay? Early in this ministry, Jesus pre- preached the Sermon on the Mount. You're familiar with that longest sermon in the, in the New Testament. It covers, it covers the chapters in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And you may not realize this, but biblical scholars agree that this message, the Sermon on the Mount, this message was originally targeted just to his disciples, according to Matthew 5, 1. He just letting the rest of the crowd listen in. And that may explain why in Luke's gospel that the Sermon on the Mount is placed right after the calling of the disciples. But apparently Jesus had in mind this this retreat up on the mountainside for his chosen 12. But the crowds followed Jesus because he was so contagious. They they just followed Jesus and all the gospels record this message for all of us, which I'm very grateful for. I hope you are, too. But in this sermon, Jesus begins teaching how men and women ought to live and behave when they become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And notice how prominently Jesus mentions God's kingdom. In the Sermon on the Mount, he mentions God's kingdom eight different times. 
And we're going to just look at two central examples right in the middle of the sermon from the Sermon on the Mount. But as part of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, Matthew 6, 10, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was instructing his disciples and us to pray for the coming of God's kingdom. And then he explained what that would look like. God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is so important. All right. Jesus is telling us that God's kingdom is not a physical kingdom. It does not have political boundaries or or borders. It's not found in one single location. It's found wherever God's will is done on earth, just as it's being done in heaven. Okay, let's try to imagine how God's will is done in heaven. Do you think in heaven people lie to one another? Do you think in heaven people try to hurt one another? Do you think in heaven people are afraid about their future? No, because God rules in heaven. Because of that, there is peace and harmony between people. There's no fear or anxiety about who's in control. Almighty God is in control. Amen. And part of the good news from Jesus is that it's possible to live here on this earth in peace in harmony, free from fear and anxiety, even when the sudden storms of life hit, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, because Almighty God is still in control. Amen? So, so Jesus is instructing his disciples to pray that this will become a reality, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the reality of God's kingdom should be demonstrated, first and foremost, among God's people. The church, would you agree with that? Because the local church is to be the hope of the world, living and teaching the truth of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Now, now that's why Jesus instructs us, his disciples, right, to pray for this very thing in our lives. This is very, very important. Some people think that this part of the Lord's prayer is just kind of like praying for world peace, you know. I think of that movie that Sandra Bullock is in. What's that called? What? Miss Congeniality. I just want world peace, right? But the rest of the Lord's Prayer, they think, has to do with our everyday lives. You know, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Of course, we should pray for world peace. That's a good thing. Amen. But Jesus is instructing his followers to pray for God's kingdom because it can be an everyday reality in our everyday lives. Amen. He was teaching his followers, his disciples and us, how to live and walk in the power and in the atmosphere of the kingdom of God in the very lives that we live day in and day out. Now, let's look at one other mention of God's kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, he mentions, the Lord mentions this eight different times, but this is the second one right in the middle. It's in Matthew 6, 33. Jesus tells us that we should not worry about what we're going to eat or drink, or we should not worry about what we will wear, but we should first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will take care of itself. It's in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given you as well. Given you as well. So looking at these verses together, we can see that Jesus is instructing us to pray fervently for God's kingdom to become a reality in our lives and that God's kingdom should be our highest priority. Now, perhaps you thought that Jesus only preached about forgiveness and about the need to be born again. 
And he actually does do that. He talks about those. They're very important, critically important, in fact. And then uh, there are there are the new birth is our entryway into God's kingdom. Jesus talks about God's kingdom far more, though, than he talks about what we would call salvation. All right. All four Gospels, Jesus uses the word salvation or saved 23 times. But he mentions God's kingdom nearly 120 times. Okay. now it does not mean that being born again is not important. It's critically important. Amen. John chapter 3, he tells Nicodemus, we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we're born again. So this new birth is our entryway into God's kingdom. And remember, God's kingdom has no borders, no boundaries. It's not political or social. It's about God's will being done God's way among God's people, right? And the result, according to Romans 14, is righteousness, peace, and joy. His, his kingdom brings peace in, in, and order into our lives, the order of heaven into our everyday lives. I mean, who doesn't want peace, right? But the way for real peace is new birth in Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. Nod your heads if you get it, okay? The reason why the good news is better than you first thought it was as we answer the original question is that the new birth opens up this possibility of living in God's kingdom in the here and now as well as after we die and go to heaven. See, many of us think the gospel is only about going to heaven when you die. And we are promised eternal life in Jesus Christ, but the gospel is also about learning to live a new way, God's way, right? And the result is living in God's kingdom. And as we live in God's kingdom, a little bit of heaven begins to break into our everyday lives right here, right now. That's why Jesus began his ministry by saying the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. He wasn't trying to say that God's kingdom is going to take over all the earth once and for all. But we know that will happen one day. Amen. All things will become new and all the kingdoms of the earth are joined with the kingdoms of heaven. Right. That is our hope. But he was trying to say that God's kingdom finds its home in the hearts of God's people if we will only receive him through the new birth and learn to live as subjects of the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why being born again is so crucially important. It's the starting point. We cannot really live as subjects of the king apart from the grace and mercy that Jesus gives us as he's living in us, still so many people have have this limited understanding of the gospel to mean it only refers to heaven when we die. But the gospel is so much bigger than that. The gospel presents the good news that we can live heavenly lives right now, right here. Not that we're going to be perfect. Amen. (laughs) But, But that heaven is being worked into us Little by little, day by day, as we follow King Jesus and living in the kingdom requires that we be born again, no matter how hard we may try on our own efforts, we will never reflect the goodness and the mercy of heaven in this fallen world. Did you follow that? You with me? But that same grace, catch this, that saves us also begins transforming us as we're walking with Jesus. That's good news. Amen. Amen. Do you think our heavenly father will force us to wait until we've died in order to receive the benefits of being a child of the king? No, 
you know, his first, his grace gives us the assurance of life in heaven. And that same grace works the life of heaven into us day by day so that we have what the old timers used to call a foretaste of heaven here and now. Hallelujah. Well, now we've discovered how important the kingdom of God is. We're going to dissect this. The kingdom of God is the good news that Jesus preached. But let's just take a couple of moments to clear up a few misconceptions about the kingdom of God as we begin this series. First of all, we should not confuse the kingdom of God with heaven. Now, remember, God's kingdom includes heaven, but God's kingdom is much larger than that. The kingdom of God is anywhere that God's will is being done God's way where the king has dominion in the hearts and lives of his people. Do you understand that? That's where we get the word kingdom from those two words. King and dominion is kingdom. So, so it's true that God rules in heaven, but he also rules in the hearts of his people. Amen? Now, that's a very important distinction because if we think the kingdom of God only means heaven, we will think that everything Jesus said about the gospels of the kingdom is for some future event after we die. But Jesus said that God's kingdom is breaking into the here and now, or at least is beginning to. So the kingdom is much more than heaven. You with me on that? All right. Secondly, the kingdom of heaven is not the same thing as the church. Now, it's true that the Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. So the church has a very special place in the heart of Almighty God. Would you agree with that? But sadly, there are many churches where God's will is not done God's way. You agree with that? We all understand that churches are filled with imperfect people. And the churches where imperfect people gather together to worship God. Amen. Come on, none of us are perfect, right? But God's kingdom is much, much bigger than the church. So the kingdom is more than the church. Perhaps the best way to understand this is, is this kingdom of God. I refer to this already that Paul describes it in Romans fourteen seventeen this way. It says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, wherever people rightly relate to God. Wherever people are more interested in winning the lost than pleasing their own desires, because Scripture clearly tells us Christ came into this world to save sinners, 1 Timothy 1, right? And 2 Peter 3, it says, the Lord wants everyone to turn from sin so that no one will be lost. Wherever people rightly relate to God, wherever people, wherever there's peace, the peace of God and the joy of our salvation, wherever love and harmony reign over selfish desires and poisonous personal preferences, wherever there is a greater burden to love, to reach the lost than to have my own way, nod your heads, come on. That's where the kingdom of God is, amen? That means that we can discover the kingdom of God in some pretty surprising places. One great Old Testament example of this comes from the book of Daniel. Daniel was a servant of God who lived in, a, in exile in Babylon, far, far away from Jerusalem. And yet, Daniel's life was characterized by what Romans 14 says, righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, now, now Babylon was a culture of immorality pagan practices, child sacrifices, multiple different religions, multiple different beliefs. Kind of sounds contemporary, does it not? 
Daniel's life and ministry was an outpost of God's kingdom that should give us all hope that we can be ambassadors of God's great kingdom, even in the culture we are now living, which has been termed the post-Christian era. The post-Christian era. Because the beliefs and the morals of Scripture are so far missing. Right? If Daniel lived in harmony with God in a strange and foreign land, we can do the same at our work, our school, wherever God has planted us. Would you agree with that? You will find God's kingdom in some very unusual places. For example, in a prison Bible study. Think with me on this. Where convicted criminals who have surrendered to Jesus live in prison doing God's will, God's way. Right? In prison. Or you can discover God's kingdom among a playgroup of young mothers and their children. While the children are playing, these godly women support and encourage one another. And they live their lives in right relationship to each other with peace and joy. You can discover God's kingdom in offices and workplaces. Everywhere you can discover the presence of the king in the heart of the king's people. And yes, even on Sunday morning in church, you can discover a group of imperfect people who've come together to try to learn to do God's will, God's way, for God's sake, and for God's glory. This great kingdom is what we will dissect and study in the coming weeks. And let me just tell you, God's kingdom is not owned by any one culture or any one denomination. God's kingdom exists wherever Jesus the King has dominion in the heart's and the minds and the lives of his followers. It means that the kingdom of God can sneak in anywhere and operate in any environment, and that is good news. Amen? So I invite you to join us on this journey of discovering God's kingdom. And the very first step, like we talked about, is being born again from above. To receive God's free, gracious gift of forgiveness in Christ Jesus and to surrender your heart to Him. If, if perhaps you are here today and you've never made that first step, kind of checking things out. That first step is to be born again by the Spirit of God. Because when you receive the Spirit of God living in you, the things of the Spirit start to make sense. Jesus said we cannot see or enter God's kingdom without being born from above. So, perhaps today is your day to be born in, into a brand new kingdom. So, as we close, I, I, simply, I simply want to pray for us. I want to pray a prayer of repentance that asks for the gracious forgiveness that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. And if you're here today and you've been struggling and you need to take that first step, because there's a lot of things about the kingdom you just don't understand. Would you please pray along with me in the sincerity of your own heart and mind right now? Could we all just bow our heads and close our eyes our gracious heavenly father we're excited about what you want to teach us through the secrets of your word about the kingdom of God and, and, and many times father we may not even realize we're living in the kingdom of God right now because we've asked you to be king over every area of our hearts and lives but if there are those here today, Father, still struggling with surrender to you. 
Would you speak to us through the person of your Holy Spirit? We want to know the joy of sins forgiven. We want to know the peace that comes when the shame and the guilt is removed. We want to know that relationships can be made right again. That joy can can experience can be experienced in our hearts and minds and we won't have this up and down emotional thing going on all the time. So for those of us, Father, who need to make the surrender complete, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins. And as best as we know how, we want to declare you as Lord of our lives. Show us, Father, what that means. In the days of head, ahead, may the kingdom of heaven day by day break into our everyday existence. May we send such a joy and such a peace that there becomes this anticipation, this, this great expectation of one day when you come back to this earth in victory and you make the kingdoms of heaven and the kingdoms of earth one. But until then, Father, we want to be kingdom citizens right now. So help us in these next few weeks to understand what that means. And help us right now for those who are needing to enter the kingdom to be born again in the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Go before us, these people, throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said,